0: <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. To
1: episode seven. Mm-hmm. Episode seven, here we are. Uh, welcome back to Perder She Roads. I'm your host, Dana Lacoco, And
0: I am your other host, Sunshine LaMontrie.
1: We are recording our podcast today with... Some adorable baby bottles of Sutter Home because Walgreens was sold out of Dark Horse Rosé. Boo. I can only assume that's because people have been listening to our podcast and are catching on to the great value and taste that is Dark Horse (laughs) Rosé.
0: Who could blame them? True.
1: Uh, So thank you, everyone, for continuing to listen and rate, review, and subscribe and drink Dark Horse (laughs) Rosé. Good job, guys. For
0: this episode, we are going to talk about the cats that surfed the web. Oh
1: boy. I don't even know. I feel like every week we talk about a book and every week we're like, this book was so wild. This book was so wild. This book was driven by a monster. It was. I mean, this book... Takes the cozy rubric and just basically turns it upside down. Smashes it on the
0: floor. Yeah,
1: Totally <laughs> disregards the formula that we've come to know and love and expect for Cozy Mysteries. Lights it on fire. Yes. Spits in the ashes. Yep. Does a little <laughs> dance when it's done. <laughs> this book was maniacal. This book was by Karen Ann Golden. Yes. Karen, Karen Ann Golden. Golden. Oh, man sunshine i gotta tell you about karen tell me about her well one thing you'll notice there's a lot of similarities between karen ann golden and our main character katherine cats kendall (laughs) and you know the old adage write what you know karen has basically written fiction about herself seemingly because according to her bio, she is also a former Manhattan businesswoman who moves to Indiana to live in a restored Victorian house. Oh. Much like our main character, Catherine Katz-Kendall. Huh. And uh, she also has shiny, long black hair. Oh. Just like our main character, Catherine Katz-Kendall. <laughs> uh, however, I do not think that Karen is 26 years old like our main character. She may be dialed. Dialed that down a bit, which, like, I hear you, girl. i do the same. She,
0: does she have $44 million?
1: I don't think she has $44 million. <laughs> okay. But she did well enough in the tech industry, much like our heroine, Catherine Kratz kendall that she could now spend her days doing what she truly loves, which is write fiction. And I quote from her author bio, Many of the cat scenes in the books, are based on her own cat's antics. Oh. So make what you will of that, because the cats in this book, they just—they so, get into some antics. <laughs> let me tell you. Page after page of antics. And you'll be happy to know there are a total of eight books in this series. So if you are thirsting for more adventures of uh, Catherine Katz Kendall and her cats, which I certainly am not... <laughs> There are seven more books that we could did lose ourselves in. Did she write any other series? She did not. This is her only series. Okay. And if you are on Amazon looking for the series, it is the Cats That Ellipses series. So every book has a different title. This is the Cats That Surfed the Web. There's the Cats That Chased the Storm. <laughs> and uh, so on and so forth. I don't remember the other titles, but yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> Well, an interesting note that I discovered while looking through the Amazon reviews is that there was another writer from, like, the 60s Mm -hmm. who wrote the Cats Who series that that are also Cozy Mysteries. Ooh. Lillian Braun, I think.
1: That sounds very similar title-wise.
0: A few people were like, I thought this was a reboot of that I am sure they were sorely disappointed. (laughs) They were. In fact, let's take a look at some of the reviews. I am dying to hear them. Okay. First of all, this book has 700 reviews. Substantial. Really, like, that is a lot of people who have purchased this book and read it or attempted to read it, as some of the reviewers indicate.
1: So this book, I believe, was one ninety nine for Kindle. Yeah. Theoretically, Karen has made at least fourteen hundred dollars, yes. probably, and she could use that all to continue to renovate her Victorian mansion. I hope it's pink as well. I also hope it's pink.
0: <laughs> so a whopping forty eight percent gave it five star reviews. Okay. But after that, it starts to it starts to go down. Mm. Let's go ahead and start with a nice review.
1: Yeah. I'm very curious to see the type of person that would leave a nice review for this book.
0: That type of person is Phyllis. Phyllis. Five stars. The Cats That Surf the Web. A delightful fast read. A book full of cat antics, a mystery, and delightful characters. Seems believable and fast moving. I am anxious to read the next book. Phyllis. Oh, the kind of person who signs their own review with their name. I like that Phyllis described this book as believable. <laughs> that's like when your mom sends you a Facebook message. And sends it,
1: mom. Yes. Yes. You're like, I know who you are.
0: Maybe Phyllis is Karen's mom. Oh my goodness.
1: Although I guess then she would sign her name mom and not Phyllis. Probably maybe she's a stepmom. Oh maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice thought. Yeah.
0: Let's see fan reader gave it three stars the title of the review is cool Hmm. and the review says a different story (laughs) i mean yeah (laughs) it was different it was different okay uh if you mean different like i mean different yeah then i think we're on the right track okay Another raving three-star review from Deborah mm-hmm. says three stars. Okay.
1: Oh wait, that was That's it. it.
0: <laughs> she says okay, okay, okay. All right. And now let's get into my favorite reviews. Oh, these man. are one-star drags. Oh, they are deep cuts. Oh man, these folks did not hold back. I'm I am not ready for the heat of these burns. Renea said one star so awful that I thought I had inadvertently purchased a self published ebook. Which like maybe it, she is it isn't this it? a
1: self published ebook? I think it is. I don't think this is affiliated with like a publisher. I I mean if it's affiliated with a publisher that usually means like it has to be edited, which <laughs> this was not. Was not. Yeah. Oh
0: man. Um so she got duped. But uh, she goes on, she doesn't like it, whoever liked this book, it's kind of weird, mm. and she says, quote, no one but an 80-year-old grammar pedant talks the way this author writes, no one. Ugh. Editing should have caught basic errors, such as when the author used conciliation, when the correct word was consolation. Dang. Everything an author writes should serve to either move the plot forward or flush out the characters. There is almost more pointless filler than there is plot or character development in this novel, and it baffles me that the author doesn't seem to understand the difference.
1: Oh my god.
0: I could go on, but I'm afraid it would serve no purpose.
1: Wow. That is the most scorching Amazon review I've ever read or listened to. It's going to. to be the second most scorching. No. <laughs> oh, no. Um,
0: because I saved the best for last. Oh, God. I can't wait. This is from Karen. Uh, she said, one star. And she spends about a paragraph describing how she picked this book up. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. She gets halfway through. Nothing has happened. She deletes it off her Kindle. Uh it's page after page of the cats went into this room and then they went into that room and then they took a treat and then they licked their pawn and then they took a nap, and actually I wrote a shorter story than this author. <laughs> then she says, This writer, I swear, could have written a book on quote watching grass grow, end quote, and made it rival the length of war and peace. Oh my god. <laughs> Also, what person who has financial problems would even have to think about it first before agreeing to take care of a cat in order to inherit $44 million and a wonderful mansion? The fact that she even considered keeping her torturous, menial job, struggling to make payments on her apartment and her old dilapidated car, instead of moving to a beautiful mansion and taking care of another cat for one year was totally absurd. <laughs> and this was with all the expenses on the mansion paid and doses of cash payments made to her. Like thirty thousand to start? <laughs> I could handle Charles Manson for a year for oh my that. God. <laughs> I just couldn't buy into it and think of the main character as anything but beyond stupid. (laughs) And someone called it delightful? (sighs) Were we reading the same book? So, as you can see, there were some serious critics. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I hate to say it, but they
1: really got to the heart of my feelings about this book. I agree wholeheartedly. That last stunning review you just (laughs) read really hit on a lot of my problems with the book too. Spoiler alert for the cats that surf the web. Our story follows the main character that is Catherine Cats Kendall. Well she's called Cats because she's a businesswoman but her main love in her life is her cats. It would be like if my nickname was like Dana Pizza LaCoco, or something. <laughs> um, which I just thought it was absurd that her nickname was like, oh, here's the thing I like. That's my nickname. Yeah. Made no sense. Yeah. Anyway, she is a hardworking 26 year old computer professional. She works for a company called ComputerNet. Very professional. But it's also 2013. At least
0: we know that Gangnam
1: Style yes. has existed in it's this universe referenced several times. It's referenced. But yes, in, in the year 2013, she's working at ComputerNet in Manhattan when she receives a call one day that suddenly she is the sole inheritor of her great aunt's $44 million fortune and Victorian mansion. The only catch is that she has to move to Indiana, live in the mansion for a year, and care for her aunt's cat. And as the reviewer mentioned, she is a little hesitant at first, even though. I can't imagine why anyone would be like, oh, I don't need $44 million. That seems like an awful lot of work. I'm pretty sure anyone could live in Indiana for $44 million for a year. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, Catherine Katz Kendall does move to Indiana with her cats. Her friend Colleen joins her. But all is not what it seems in this mansion. Uh, Despite its cheery pink exterior, two murders take place there. And I mean, Katz doesn't really solve them. In, they, they just sort of take place in the house. She's like inconvenienced by them. Yes, they are quite inconvenient to her, and that's essentially the entire book. Yes, yes, it is. So, that's the plot. Man, we should get into how this stacks up on our cozy rubric because it tries and doesn't really live up to it. We've we've talked about our heroine, which I use in quotes, and we've mentioned. Okay. Her personality, we've described her as monstrous, but she's awful. Yeah. And it's not even the type of thing where it's like, oh, it's it's good to read about an unlikable female character because the world of literature is populated by awful men who we still root for. She's just miserable. Like She's insufferable. She, yes, that is the word. Like, it's hard to
0: tolerate her behavior and I can- as another human being in the world. Yes.
1: And when I first started reading this book I thought to myself, oh maybe the author is going to, you know, have a journey for this character where she's kind of this spoiled woman living in New York and inherits all this money but learns to be she more meets humble, all these
0: salt of the earth people and right. gets in touch with her inner self and learns that there's more than
1: just material possessions yeah. like your desktop computer and scanner. That is not what happens Mm -mm. from page one to the end of this book. Catherine Katz Kendall is the worst. I have compiled a running list of terrible things that she does throughout the course of the book. She is a garbage person on a serious ego trip. Yes. One of the first things she does is uh, she tells her 74-year-old secretary to get better at sending emails. Rosemary, this is a computer company. We want you to get used to sending and receiving email. Which is like, let Rosemary live. She's 74. She's the receptionist at the front desk, and she handed you a note. Yes, saying that you just inherited $44 million. Yeah. Cut Rosemary some slack. Also, her cats, I mean, she puts her cats before all other humans. Her friend helpfully offers to buy cat food, and she's like, well, make sure it's tuna in spring water because oil will make them sick. And on the day that she finds out that she has inherited forty-four million dollars, she goes through her mail and sees that she got a Publishers Clearing House, oh. and she jokes to her doorman, "Publishers Clearing House, one million dollars drawing in February," as if I need to come into any more money. She says this to the
0: doorman, right, who
1: probably doesn't have forty-four million dollars. Probably
0: makes minimum wage or a little better.
1: And if anyone thought that perhaps moving to Indiana and living with, you know, more salt-of-the-earth Midwesterners would make uh, cats a bit more humble and Give less snobby. Give her snotty, some perspective, perhaps. They would be wrong. Totally wrong. Her first trip to Indiana, she goes out for dinner with her lawyer. And orders sparkling water and Cabernet and is extremely rude when the waitress is unfamiliar with either of those beverages. I love... I have both of these here. Oh, I gotta hear them.
0: So they're in... They're in, like, a steakhouse Mm -hmm. in the nice hotel in town. This, like, historical old hotel that's uh maybe a focal point for this small town yes and the hostess says like may i get you your drinks as she's seating them at the table catherine and her lawyer Mm -hmm. and catherine says i'll have a seltzer please and the hostess says uh i think i might have an anti-acid in my pocketbook seltzer Catherine grinned. Sparkling water? Do you have any? <laughs> oh. Oh, poor little yokels. Oh, they oh. don't even know what
1: La Croix is. La- <laughs> I said it wrong. La Croix? La LaCroix? LaCroix. LaCroix. Well, they don't have it in Indiana. Yeah. And <laughs> Catherine Katz Kendall is not pleased. Um, She's just super passive-aggressive the entire time. Yeah. Like, they go to the mansion, and her housekeeper's daughter is there, and she likes to bake, and she baked a walnut cake, and, uh... You know, she offers it to them, and Katz's lawyer is like, oh, well, you know, we're in a hurry, maybe later. And she's like, oh, thanks for rescuing me from the walnut cake. I'm allergic to walnuts. Which is like, couldn't you just be like, oh, thanks, but I'm allergic to nuts. I thought
0: that that was also going to be a hint in the mystery. Like, someone's going oh. to try and poison
1: her with nuts. Oh. Like, I guess that would have been a good logical place.
0: Right, because the housekeeper's daughter mm-hmm. is a botanist. Yes. And there's all these hints that she's trying to poison people with poppy seeds. Right. Like there's the poppy seed muffins, there's the, the poppy, poppy seed te- dressing. Yeah. I, I bet that the author is going to try and have Catherine uh, have an allergic reaction to nuts that are snuck into something. Right. Say that, oh, her great aunt was also allergic to nuts, and dun, that's dun, how she dun. died.
1: Dun. Yeah. But no. No. mm Never comes up again. No. Yeah, speaking of the housekeeper's daughter, there's a couple employees that sort of still work at the mansion. They're um, kind of attached yeah. to the house. They've
0: been with her great aunt for like 30 years or right. something. Right.
1: So there's the housekeeper, Vivian, and Vivian's daughter, Patricia, who bakes. And uh, then there's Cokie Cokenburger. <laughs> what a name. What a name. And he's kind of like uh, the Mr. Fix-It. He's maintained the mansion. He's done all of their repairs. He winterizes it. He drove her great aunt around town yeah, and, he, like, did errands right. for her all the her time. the Grocery shop, took her yeah. to doctor's offices. Yeah. So he's done all this, and uh, he comes in, chats with Catherine Katz Kendall and her lawyer and, you know, heads out and tracks up a Persian rug and Catherine says, I don't like that he has his own key. I don't like that have my own key business come and go. I'd want to know who's in the house at all times. It would be easy for Crim's to hide out in this place. Crim's? Mark asked. That's the lawyer. She chuckled. Criminals. Does Mrs. Marston tidy up after this man? Look at that rug. First of all, Crim's? Second of all, like, you just met this dude. He fixed up your aunt's entire mansion. And like, if you got footprints on the rug, vacuum it yourself or not. You have a housekeeper. Right. Monstrous. I mean, most of the book is just her making these observations where she complains about things. Did you catch the part
0: where they had a reception at the mayor's house for her? Vaguely, because it was only like two it was,
1: sentences. Yeah, it
0: yeah. was literally a sentence. At six p.m., they attended a reception in Catherine's honor at Mayor Ralph Newman's residence.
1: She it's, should not be having any banquets thrown in her honor. No, she's just also who does that, right? Oh, welcome to town. We'll we'll come to <laughs> You're the mayor's rich, house. So
0: here's a party for you. Yeah. Oh,
1: I don't. It's get it. really weird. She complains about coffee. She complains about the cold. She doesn't tip her cab driver. Oh,
0: I got so mad at that scene. It was absurd. If she lives in New York, she is used to crazy cab drivers. That is just how they drive. Right. It was weird, first of all, that she tried to put her seatbelt on in the cab because a cab is like a
1: bus. I will admit, I tend to put seatbelts on only because I knew someone in college who got into an accident in a cab went face first (gasps) and cut his forehead open Uh, on, like, that plastic thing. It's like, how how am I driving? Call (laughs) this number. So ever since then, I've been afraid of busting my face. Yeah. In general, like, I do it in Ubers. Yeah. I think if I had never met anyone who busted their face in the back of a cab, I'd be like, "Eh, whatever, it's fine. That's fair. Maybe we don't know that Catherine also knows someone who busted their face open in a cab. I mean, even if she doesn't, the fact that she tells the driver I'm not tipping you because I think you're a menace on the highway and then slams
0: the door and apparently the driver says oh haha and drives away yeah that's not how that interaction happens that is not
1: how it would go the- there would be
0: much more yelling
1: and far more profanity <laughs> yeah that
0: is how a robot responds yeah uh
1: I mean, there's also another just awful facet about Catherine Katz Kendall is what a crummy friend she is. Oh, my God. So she doesn't go to Indiana alone. Her best friend, Colleen, accompanies her. She takes time off of work. She takes a week off of work. Yeah, she takes, like, all of her vacation time to help Catherine and her cats drive cross-country and get settled. And the whole time, Catherine is such a jerk to Colleen. At one point... The housekeeper's daughter, Patricia, has baked poppy seed muffins, and Colleen is eating them for breakfast. And Catherine is looking at her, and then she says, in the course of two minutes, I've watched you devour two muffins. Are you famished? (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, what? Are you watching my muffin intake? Right, like, let Colleen live. Dang. What's wrong with eating baked good? God. Oh my gosh. That's not cozy. Not at all. Mm -mm. It's just straight up rude. Not to mention that at one point in the book, in a confusing turn of events, someone breaks into the mansion and both Catherine and Colleen's rooms are kind of ransacked. (laughs) And Colleen is like, oh, oh no, my room, you know, it's been ransacked. My stuff is thrown around. And, you know, I, I might get stranded in Indiana because I have to file a police report and it's snowing and I can't get on the plane. And Catherine's only response is like, I don't know what to think. Well, for now, we'll barricade the outside doors and call it a day. I'm exhausted. There is no
0: emotion or empathy right. for her friend. Exactly. Who is obviously not a multi-million dollar heiress. Yeah. She can't uh, afford to change her flight. She doesn't have $44 million. She's also, like, passive-aggressively rude to this person all the time. Like Like, yes. uh, when they're in the car. And I guess Colleen kind of has an Irish accent. Like, her family is super Irish. Yes. And so she says, "Like, can we, uh, can we stop so I can go to the bathroom?" And bathroom. Catherine chuckled at her friend's pronunciation. Just the worst. And then another time, Colleen is talking about a piece of furniture in one of the bedrooms, mm-hmm. and she says, "Just look at the headboard with the gargoyle carved on it." Cherub. Catherine corrected. Like, just God. Let her
1: live, Catherine. Uh, I would say, though, the absolute worst thing that she does to Colleen is that Colleen gets deathly ill. She's doubled over on the floor of the bathroom. Like, sweating, shaking. Shaking. She's like, I think I'm dying. I feel so sick. And Catherine decides to call 911. But instead of getting an ambulance... She just calls to ask for directions to the nearest hospital.
0: Because that's what a millennial who works for the tech industry would definitely do.
1: And the dispatcher is like, oh, you want us to send an ambulance? And she's like, nah, just, you know, let me know where the hospital is. We'll drive there. (laughs) It's like, why would you do that? Your friend is in pain. Yeah. It's snowing. And unless your
0: friend is like, I don't have insurance, definitely don't call an ambulance. Yeah.
1: Call an ambulance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's just... She is atrocious. Oh, my God. There's another scene in the restaurant, and this is after she's had all sorts of, like, really hostile confrontations with the housekeeper's daughter, Patricia. Yes. And Patricia is a server at the restaurant. Oh, yes. And so they go, and uh, Catherine orders a salad Mm -hmm. with poppy seed dressing, and then she decides... That she doesn't want poppy seed dressing because she can get seeds in her teeth. And how gross is that? So gross. So, in the book. When Patricia brought the salad and set it on the table, Catherine turned up her nose and said, On second thought, I think I'll have the ranch. While Patricia reached for the salad, Colleen slid the bowl in front of her. I'll take it, she said, diving her fork into the lettuce. Patricia scowled, then said to Catherine... I'll bring you another one. What kind of dressing did you say? Ranch. Like, dude ranch.
1: Excuse me?
0: Like, Catherine. Seriously,
1: she knows what ranch is.
0: She knows what ranch is. She works in a restaurant. Yeah. Also, she's a person in the world. Right. Like just be chill. And also, if you change your mind about what you want on your salad, maybe say something before it's brought to your table. Or just eat it. Or just eat it. like,
1: eh, you know what?
0: They have dental floss. Yeah. Or toothpicks. Exactly. Or just like, I
1: don't know, go to the bathroom and rinse your mouth out afterward. Right. Jeez. Catherine is just not resourceful. I mean, again, her biggest qualm of moving to Indiana and inheriting the $44 million is, I don't know when I would get back to New York to see my friends. It's like, if you have $44 million, you can buy a condo in New York. You could buy your own plane. Those are not problems that money can't solve. She just... You can start Ugh. your own business. Yeah, you can start your own computer
0: net. <laughs> computer Ugh. net, too. Computer net, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. Oh, she is... Her perspective is so warped that at one point, she's talking about the conditions of the will, and she learns that her aunt also um granted money to other people. And one of them is the housekeeper yes. who worked in her great aunt's mansion mm-hmm. for... Like 30 years. Right. Cleaning, serving this woman, being her companion, being Mm -hmm. her friend. And Catherine says, Mark said my great aunt's will created a $200,000 trust for her, her being Vivian, the housekeeper. Mm -hmm. That's a nice pocket of change for a housekeeper, don't you think?
1: For a housekeeper. For
0: a housekeeper. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's nothing to you, Catherine.
1: Because I have $44 million. Yeah. Really insufferable personality. And she does not grow or change throughout the entire book. Not she even just, a little bit. Not even a little bit. There's... Actually, the worst part is characters tend to be like, Oh, Catherine Katz Kendall, you're just so cultured and amazing. Oh, you're really going to teach us a lot about sparkling water and Cabernet. Oh, we're so lucky to have a big city slicker in Indiana. It's like, yeah, not. She's a monster. She is an actual dumpster fire terrible person like
0: unbearable person oh one more quote oh yes okay so at the end uh her ex-boyfriend is found murdered in her basement right yes and when she's going down into the basement she slips on his blood because he has been stabbed to death he has been stabbed he's dead and she slips on his blood she gets some blood on her And the police come, and they're like, hey, we have to take a statement. Like, don't contaminate the crime scene. Just stand over here and wait while we get to you. And she says, Koki and I had to wait in the unheated sunroom for hours while the state police processed the scene. We couldn't leave the room. Here, Colleen is sick. Lilac, which is one of her cats, mm-hmm. is missing Abby, which is another one of her cats, is at the vet. It was a nightmare. Oh, and the awful part of it was, she hesitated, then said, I had blood all over my jacket. Gary's blood. The chief wouldn't even let me change.
1: Ugh. How yes. dare he?
0: The awful part of it. The
1: awful part. Not
0: a man is dead on your basement floor. The, the second murder. The second
1: person to be murdered in that basement within in just as week. many weeks. Yes. yes. And she's like, ugh, great. The
0: awful part.
1: Honestly, she did not respond well to that at all. Granted, Gary is her ex-boyfriend, and we really don't know anything about him as a character, well, he has no
0: character. He's he has just no character. A phone call, and
1: then yes, and then like, he's dead in the yeah. basement inexplicably a few chapters later. Um, and you know, her one of her cats, Scout, had like hissed at the police chief earlier. Yeah, her her cat Scout is like a savant cat yeah, or something. It's, like he
0: used to belong to a magician, and right. so she's
1: weird. The police chief <laughs> is like, control your cat, lady uh you know cuz a cat in a crime scene is kind of bad news yeah but all she could think of is what if a court determined scout was harmful to society and ordered her put to sleep gary's dead she sadly rationalized but my cat isn't <laughs> <laughs> this human being is dead this who cares that i once loved is dead on my basement floor But my cat's still alive and that's what's important. I mean... She is a monster person. Yeah. And we have to move on. Although (laughs) we could could probably spend another hour just talking about the wretched things that she does. Yeah. So that fails the first part of the cozy rubric. Quirky heroine who is relatable, who you could root for. I was actively rooting against cats when it became evident that she would never learn or change or be a good person. The only person I was rooting for was Colleen. Colleen was the best. Yeah. I mean, even though, like, I don't know why she's friends with this person who's mm. like, oh, you have food poisoning? That's cool. Like, I'm not going to call you an ambulance.
0: Colleen seemed cool. She had her, like, ghost hunter machine. She yes. was like, I'm going to come out there and we're going to see if your house is haunted. Yeah. How
1: cool is that? Yeah. Which seemed like that could be kind of an interesting cozy mystery plot. Yeah. Thread. Like, Secretary by day, paranormal investigator by night. Right. Oh, just kidding, you know, dead end. Just. Red herring, that thread yeah. unravels, it's loose, yep. it's hanging there. No ghosts. Meh. What truly gobsmacked me about our supporting cast is that everyone is supposed to be roughly between the ages of like 26 and 32. Yeah. So we know Katz is 26, I think Colleen is around her age. Mark, their her attractive lawyer, is, like, in his mid-30s. Um, I don't think Cokie is that much older, maybe, like, also see, mid-30s. This was what I couldn't figure out either, because he definitely had a son that could drive. Oh, yeah. But he also was Hadn- having an affair with Patricia Marston, the housekeeper's daughter... And she was a master student, right. so maybe so she, she was, was 20... supposed to be like also around twenty six, right? And her mother, Vivian Marston, the housekeeper, who also ends up dead in the basement, was like super old, right? Very confusing. But you know, they were just all normal millennials who have a really great handle on technology. Ooh. Uh, so Sunshine is a fellow millennial. Hmm. Um. Just out of curiosity. How many messages do you have on your tape-recorded answering machine right now?
0: Oh, the tape-recorded answering machine that I don't own, that even my mother doesn't own anymore? Oh, but you still have a landline, right? (laughs) (laughs) The technology in this was baffling.
1: You would think it was written sometime within maybe like 1998
0: Yeah. Well, we're not much older, technically, than Cass was at this point. Right. Like, back in 2013. We're not, you know, we're in the same ballpark. Right. And so, the fact that she is working in the tech industry, but she doesn't own a laptop.
1: No. She has to wait for a few days for her desktop, printer, and scanner to be shipped to her. When it finally arrives, she's like, oh, sweet, I can log on to facebook which was always in italics Mm -hmm. her totally normal millennial friend colleen refers to the aunt's will and all the pages contained uh she's like why don't you text mark and ask him to send the tweeted version because who wants to read through you know 70 pages of a will yeah for Um, sure i did enjoy that tweeted was in quotes though at one point, Mark pulls out his Blackberry. He does have a Blackberry. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's a lawyer who's uh, really on top of things because he says that he has each of the revised wills digitally archived. Oh, he
0: knows what a PDF file is. That's right. At one point, Katz wants to learn more about this lawyer, and Colleen is like, use one of your business apps. Yes. What kind of business app? Does that? I wonder. I mean, I wonder if they meant to say LinkedIn. Maybe, but they. they Why would you search for someone's personal info on LinkedIn
1: though? Right. You just also, go to Google. They they explicitly say like Facebook pages multiple times. Yeah,
0: so say LinkedIn. Right. That's not any more copyrighted than Facebook. No, not at all. Catherine calls Colleen's family's landline right to find Colleen instead w- of calling her cell phone. Calls her cell phone next right. Which is like, wouldn't you call her phone first? That's exactly what I would do. Or I would text her and be like, are you home? Nobody texts in this book. Nobody texts.
1: Landline is the number one form of communication. She calls everyone. Yes. It's baffling. It's so confusing. I also greatly enjoyed that at one point a detective shows up to the house to get a statement (laughs) from Katz. This is Detective Martin. And she sits down. She's going to get Katz's statement. She opened up her laptop computer I like to keep up with technology. She said. which is true. I mean, Katz ha- only has a desktop and That's a printer right. and scanner, and Detective Martin has a laptop, so she's cutting edge. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Um, there's a, an early scene where Katz is at the B and B in town, right? Yes. When she first comes to check out the house, mm-hmm. and um, she wakes up, and it's dark, and she stumbles out of bed looking for the light switch. Because she needs to check her watch right? to see what time it is. I'm like, you look at your cell
1: phone, yeah. which is plugged in on the nightstand next to the bed. Which also functions as a flashlight, should yeah. you need it. And unrelated to, techn- to technology, at 26 years old, and Katz Kendall also has an encyclopedic knowledge of Ladro figurines. <laughs> Like those those yes. por- those porcelain like porcelain
0: <laughs> like a uh, precious moment type stuff. Yeah, I feel like what are they? They're
1: they're porcelain. They're usually like pastel color. Yeah, I don't know. They're like I feel like they're usually angels or like moms and kids,
0: <laughs> Mother Mary or something. Kind of yeah, yeah like
1: religious ish, but right. not quite. Uh, but you know, her aunt has some. And uh, Catherine is like, "Oh, my mom used to collect these. This one looks like the peaceful moment." So yeah. she just knows, like, right away, "Oh, Laodrake figurines. That's my jam." As a twenty-six-year-old, sophisticated Manhattanite.
0: Yep. Yeah. Love it. Uh, she also knows exactly what kind of ancient furniture is all over her great aunt's house. Oh, She's do you, like, "Do you mean Eastlake furniture, <laughs> or Havilard, or like?" Yes. Every different kind of antique Victorian, like, wingback chair you could think of, Yep, she's describing in great detail. Which I feel
1: like is our author, Karen Ann Golden, mm-hmm. coming through. I feel like Karen Ann probably knows her way around Eastlake furniture and laundry figurines. And apparently and, Katz does too. Yeah,
0: she's like, it doesn't matter if you're me or right. a 26-year-old Manhattan heiress. yeah. Gotta know your furniture. Yeah, even beyond all that, like just looking at the the writing itself. Yes. So you have these totally natural, technologically sophisticated uh, millennials.
1: Millennials, who I would like to point out, also have names like Gary and Patricia. Yeah. Just
0: <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Um, and some superbly natural dialogue. To go along with that. Yes. Something like, um, Catherine sighed. I must give up my life here in New York, my career, my apartment, everything, and move to Indiana. You sound so melodramatic. What's the deal, her friend demanded. Why? Just the other day you said you hated crime in the city. Why? Why? I do declare.
1: I do hate crime in the city. <laughs> I hate all of those crims. Oh, I cannot get over crims. Also, for, oh, for so being bad. young people, they constantly use the expression, beat the band.
0: Oh, I oh, wrote that down. It's snowing to beat the band. I didn't know that was a saying. What does that mean? I don't know. It's, uh, they say it on page 124, 134, and 277. I'm this, very
1: glad that you notated each of those. Oh, yeah.
0: I was very confused by yeah. that um, idiom. I have no idea where it came from or why these 26-year-olds were using it. I don't know. It's snowy like hell. It's yeah. snowy AF. Right. Like Yeah. It's really snowy. Right. Even.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Any of those would have been good. It's snowing <clears throat> to beat the fan.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. She says, this is the house. She finally said. I've never seen a house so big. I am to live here. I'd get lost.
1: I am to live here. I am to live here. I am robot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really, though? Yeah. Like, this the dialogue is robotic. It is robotic.
1: It's real bad.
0: Uh, when Patricia Burson, after yes. her mother has been found dead in the basement. Yes. Uh, and she's like, Catherine invites her in, and is like, oh, can I get you some tea or something? hmm and Patricia's like, no, this isn't a social visit. I'm quite upset that my mother chose to wake up from my coma and die in your house. This is totally unacceptable to me. I hear you, Patricia Robot. It's
1: very unacceptable.
0: <laughs> Wildly unacceptable.
1: Yep. Oh. Does not compute. <laughs> oh. I mean, honestly. System error. If they were robots, that would be a great twist. Oh, I mean, I wish they were androids. I wish that I might like this better. Honestly, there were several avenues I found myself reading this book and wishing it would go off in a different direction. To your earlier point about the writing being either quite robotic or very hard to follow, mm. I could not figure out the layout of this house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what is the floor plan? It, honestly, I was reading it, and you know the the prologue actually starts with her ex-boyfriend Gary being murdered in the house. Right. He's not given a name. He's just described as the man. But then later on that scene happens and we know it's Gary. Mm -hmm. But he basically like pulls up to this house, goes in through an open door in his sunroom, but the sunroom leads to the basement. But then the basement also has a door with stairs that lead up to the kitchen and there's pocket doors. This house is so confusing. And I was thinking to myself, is this like... Like a rose red situation, oh. or like a Winchester mansion where like different rooms appear and they're different sizes, it's like it's, the Hogwarts <laughs> castle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's a spooky shape shape shifting house.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's no it's just poorly, poorly written. written. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh. Well, okay. And then talking about poorly written. Yes. So we read cozy cat mysteries. Mm-hmm. We read mysteries. That are cozy and have cats in them. Yes. Uh, there are cats there in this. There are a lot of cats in this. There are three, uh, two seal point Siamese. Yes. One lilac point Siamese and an Abyssinian. All described in great detail. Yes. And every single footstep that they take. Every sound they make.
1: and And the sounds are actually transcribed as lines of dialogue. Yes. Wow! <laughs> meow, Yeah. chirp. Yeah. All the cats get, get their
0: own lines. There are pages and pages of descriptions of her cats
1: doing normal cat stuff. And honestly, Karen Ann Golden states in her bio that many of the cat antics in the book are inspired by her real cats, and I feel like it's less of an inspired thing and more of like, I looked to see what my cats were doing and then I just typed into my computer and it went right in the book. (laughs) Yes. Because they they don't, it's weird. You know, the cat scout, maybe it sometimes seems to have some like supernatural. Yeah.
0: She, she, like, holds Karen, uh, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Well, it doesn't matter.
1: Karen, <laughs> Katz, Katz and Katz handle. Uh, same person.
0: Um, she holds, uh, cats up to a door to, like, make her eavesdrop at one point. Yeah. Where she, like, gets behind her legs and refuses to let her move.
1: And, like, Scout also just so happens to go into, like, this weird trance yeah, yes. where she's described as, like, a Halloween cat. Like, she arches her back and... Floops her tail out and kind of hops whenever she's around, you a know. dead person. <laughs> dead, dead people, evidence. And I, I guess the cats can also use the internet. That's like a vague side premise. Right. I know it's the title of the book. It is The Cats That Surfed the Web, but it is unclear whether or not that's like the cats literally surf the web. Or they happen to hop on the keyboard and, like, stuff
0: comes up that's tangentially related to the stuff that's going on in the book.
1: Right, because at one point they pull up Patricia Marston's Facebook page and it turns out that she is the murderer of Gary and possibly her own mother because she wanted to get the $44 million. This mystery is so half-baked. Mm-hmm. And... It's not really a mystery, because every time Patricia Marston is mentioned in the book, it's like, oh, she's the housekeeper's daughter. Oh, she's bitter because she was having an affair with Cokie Kokenberger, but he dumped her. Oh, she would have inherited money had Catherine Katz Kendall not showed up. Oh, she's a botanist and knows a lot about poison. Yeah. Oh, boy. But, I mean, so it's, like, obvious It's she's doing I, something. It's not
0: even half-baked. It's like... The author got all of the ingredients together and was like, I'm going to make something and then got distracted by Netflix
1: forever. Very true. Like... I mean, the other thing that's confusing, too, is, like, one of the caveats of this will was that Catherine Katz Kendall had to care for her aunt's cat. mm -hmm. But, like, if anything happened to Abby the cat, then she wouldn't inherit anything. Right. But like, it'd be super easy to just kill the cat. Why kill hey, the people? Just exactly like why? Why kill, put some poison uh, in the cat food? Right. I mean, you're already a, like pretty great poisoner. You, Apparently, you poisoned poor Colleen with poppy seed dressing. Although, you know. is she a great poisoner?
0: Because. With Gary's situation, apparently he was staying at the hotel, and she put a poisonous mushroom in his omelet, and she thought he would die at the hotel, but he got in his car and drove away. That's true. And she was like, oh no, now I have to go stab him. I guess
1: I'll just murder you. (laughs) I'll just do it the old-fashioned way. (laughs) Like... It just, it didn't make any freaking sense. And also... Catherine Katz Kendall does
0: not solve this mystery. She has all the pieces. She doesn't solve it. To solve
1: it. Her cats don't solve it. Patricia Marston, the murderer, confesses to the cops. And the cops come over, by the way. We have to talk about the two cops. Specifically just the one cop. Just the one. I mean, we've we've alluded to the names in this book, like Patricia and Gary, 26-year-olds, regular millennials. (laughs) But one of the cops in this book... Is Officer Dan Glover. And all I could think of was lethal weapon. Yeah.
0: I was like, you know that's a person, right? That's already a person, a I'm famous I'm getting too person. old for this shit. Like, <laughs> like, how did you not realize that?
1: Officer, case closed now. I know, like... It's- it was absurd. What do you do? Like, maybe all I she... I picture was Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon being in this movie and just being like, I'm getting too old for this shit. I like, just
0: imagine the author was up really late watching, like, NBC or something, and Lethal yeah. Weapon 5 came on. Right. For the millionth
1: time. It's always on. And, and she's she was like, like, oh yeah, Dan Glover, I'll, I'll just put that in as a placeholder and think of a different name. And then it's <laughs> like... She forgot. JK, published. <laughs> right. now it's on Amazon. But actually, the murder is, it's wrapped up within the last five pages of the book. Yeah. The cops are like, oh, we took Patricia Marston in. She confessed to the murders. Uh, Now we have all the answers. You're free to go. And Catherine's like, well, I think she might have poisoned her own mother and also my aunt because she was trying to get the inheritance. And Officer Dan Glover's like, well, she didn't confess to that. So case closed. He was like, nah, case, nah, don't worry about it. Case closed. Yeah,
0: we're done. We're good. We investigated enough. <laughs> Gotta go. Getting too old for this shit. Bye. <laughs> like,
1: it's it's oh. unreal. It's It's insane. It's I could not it's believe this I mean, we we've read some not great cozy mysteries, but I think this one was by far just I think the the problem is that as we have continued reading
0: in this genre, we have become more discerning. That could be. And also, we are both, like, in creative fields. Yeah. And... I mean, there's just... Critical thinkers. Just
1: certain (laughs) things. Yeah. (laughs) Like... There's just certain things that are, like, I I expect a little more out of a book. Yeah. Uh, And this one did not deliver. I mean... 48%
0: of 700 people may have written positive reviews, but I have some conspiracy theories. Yeah. Regarding, like, did Karen Ann Golden use her personal inheritance to buy a bunch of reviews? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Wouldn't that be
1: something? That would be something. Because her author bio bio does not state that she inherited the house and the money, but Mm -hmm. frankly, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Everything else is pretty much a direct pickup. Yeah. Earlier we were talking, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, is there a Venn diagram between the author and the main character? And then realized that a Venn diagram requires having, you know, many many differing traits and only a few overlapping, whereas... It's a circle. It's basically a circle. Yeah. So not a very good Venn diagram. mm -hmm.
0: Mm -mm. Well, and then there's that whole interesting thing where there was that earlier series from the 60s Mm -hmm. that was used the same title sort of thing and also had a Siamese in it. That's another good point. We
1: we haven't read any books from the Cats Who series, but looking it over on Amazon, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was about a newspaper reporter and his Siamese cat. Yeah.
0: Mm. Interesting. I think we might have to do a little investigating of our own. I
1: think so. We might have to put on our our uh, amateur amateur mystery solving <laughs> hats and, and get to work. Yeah,
0: I guess you know to give give due where due is due. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh boy. Um. At least this book was finished.
1: Not only did she finish writing the book, she wrote seven more. That's right. I can appreciate anyone who finishes writing something they start because that's hard to do. Finishing
0: a creative endeavor is challenging. Yes. Uh, And she got people to buy it, including us. We spent $1.99 each on this Kindle
1: one, so joke's on us. Yeah. We can't recommend it to you. I would not. Um, honestly, I would say read any of the other cozy mysteries that we've reviewed so far.
0: I would agree with that. Even, oh, I'm not going to name names.
1: Yeah. Even, (laughs) even, even the first cozy we read was (laughs) better than this. And the first cozy we read was pretty rough. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that was the cats that surfed
0: the web. Stay tuned for, uh, two Fridays from now. Yep. Next
1: episode, episode eight. Yes. I forget what we're reading. Well, we've actually identified several books. Uh we yes. recently posted a reading list Going on our on yep, com. We've got our next three books coming. We're not sure which one we'll pick yet for our episode, but uh needless to say, they will all be discussed in great detail. Yeah. And uh you
0: can also find us on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram and Twitter. Yep. We are she wrote on all of those. Yes. Follow along. And again, rate review and subscribe mm-hmm. find us on iTunes. give us some stars. heck yeah let us know
1: what you love what you like what we could improve on. yeah and if you've got a cozy mystery recommendation Ooh, we want it to hear it our way. yes thanks again kittens.
0: We love ya. bye bye.